The following was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio is speaking. This morning we're going to hopefully get some encouragement. I hope every Sunday is somewhat encouraging, but maybe some talks and are just a little more work to do. And I really want to encourage us this morning, encourage you who you are, where at, where you've been, your story, your your falls, your your faults, your fears, wherever that is for you. I hope you could walk out of here encouraged that you are who God wants you to be, that God desires you to be. And so we're looking at this very familiar story, uh, David and Goliath. I, I just was reading it this this week with some hopefully some fresh eyes and, and God was just ministering to me through that story and uh, our kids actually are gonna I think watching David and the giant pickle uh, in in Sunday school so maybe learning about that as well but but we all need encouragement in tough times where we face things where we face giants or armies or situations or loss or heartbreak or fear that can be crippling that can keep us from being who we are and sometimes in those moments, we scramble to be somebody else, or we feel like we're not enough, we haven't, we haven't been equipped, we're not, we're not good enough, we're not tough enough, we're not strong enough, and we see these things that are maybe coming at us, whether, whatever that giant is, and you feel like, I can't do this, I can't make it, I, I'm, I'm going to fail without even really trying. And I've been skateboarding a little bit more with my kids lately, they're into skating, we have a, a quarter pipe I built. Um, I don't know, probably last year some some point. It's about this high, and, and I'm, I'm still, you guys know me, I'm still just dumb enough that I get out and ride skateboards on, and ramps because I used to as a kid. And, but I love doing it as a kid. I love that my kids are, are skating now. We used to you know, build ramps and skate ramps all the time. And one of the big coming-of-age moments, if, you're, if you grew up skateboarding or around it at all, was dropping in on a half-pipe, right? So it was this, these, these half-pipes you could picture it, and they could be like this big or, or this big. And it's this huge moment of dropping in. You could see other people doing it, and, and it, it looks fun. But, man, you get up to the platform, and if, and if you've been in any kind of sports or high dive, you get up there, and you look down. It's, it is scary. It doesn't seem possible. You don't understand how your board can go down and around. I still have those moments now we go to skate parks. But I got fairly comfortable with it, and, and I love to, love, to, love to skate. Even now, like I've kind of gotten past it, I can still go out and do it. But there was one friend we had a, as kids, and this is probably 10, 11, 12, when we were little skate rats around my town. And uh, we'll call him Mark because his name was Mark. And, man, this kid just could not will himself to drop in on a skate ramp. And, man, we would go through encouragement with him, and there would be buildup on the days he was going to do it. Like, this is your day, man. You're going to do it. I mean, he had full pads on, knees, elbows, helmet. Like, we would tie a pillow to him. Like, dude, you got this, man. And he would just get up there, and he would just be frozen looking down at this thing. What, what, what felt like hours, what felt like years. Like, come on, man. You can do this. But in the moment, in his mind, he just could not get past this thing. That he, in his mind, he couldn't do that. He was going to fall. But eventually you watch enough people do it and don't fall, or they do fall, and they get back up and they do it again. That, like, that the reasoning comes, man, I, I will be okay if I do this. But we've all been there in those moments of fear, even if other people are pulling it off, like, man, I, I can't do that. It's not going to work for me. If I, if I do this, I'm going to die. But everyone else is pulling it off fine. And this guy, man, he was just, I mean, terrified, I think for years of his life in peer pressure. I mean, it went from encouragement to just taunting him and, like, making fun of him. And eventually he, he, he pulled it off. But we've had these sort of these moments where you're like, man, I, I don't know if I can do it. And that's okay, but you sort of have to at some point kick in like, I will be okay. I will get through this, and I'll be better for it. I mean, how many of us have kids, right, when your kids are trying to teach them something? Even when I have the kids out to the ramp at an early age, they'd be like, I can't do it. I can't do it. Like, you haven't even tried, right? Anyone ever had a conversation with their kids? You haven't even tried yet. 
It's like the food thing. I can't eat it. I won't like it. You haven't even tried it yet. But even as adults, we can somehow get a little timid and we back, we back away from decisions that we're not sure how they're going to work out. That's career, that's relationship, that's, that's leading spiritually, that's serving in, in, a, in a church or stepping out with some friends in, in your story, sharing your story. Like, I can't do it, it's not going to work. You haven't even tried it yet. You haven't even approached the, 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 the point of sort of dropping in and we kind of move away toward these moments of, of, of self-preservation, even as adults. And we project failure a lot of times. Now, now some of us are better at that than others. Some of you are just optimistic. You're go-getters. Uh, you know, my boys can do that. Like, they just, like, Cash is that way. He just assumes he can do everything, which is, which is another thing to deal with. But it's awesome. He doesn't get, he doesn't typically get sort of uh, afraid or, or even, you know, Jed or Bell. They're confident in, in themselves that way. So honest, man, we're just timid about trying new things, about meeting new people, going to new, new places, even talking to God in a new way or talking to God at all that seems scary because what if he says something to me? Oh, my gosh. We get afraid and we sort of back up and we project sort of, we project sort of failure. And we sort of lose the, any sort of courage that we might have had even as, as kids. And nobody likes to feel this way. No one likes to go through hard things. But I would say this morning, we gain courage through those things. We have to go through some stuff to become courageous. Because if you don't walk through anything, if you don't try some of this hard stuff, you don't actually know in your mind, man, I can't do it. It won't work. When you start to walk it out and you start to go through some hard things in life, you're like, you know what? I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. This is going to be okay. And this story in 1 Samuel is, is is a people group, Israel, who's just locked up in a little bit of fear. I'm going to read, um, I'm going to read a couple paragraphs, and then we'll sort of survey it, and, and, we'll, and we'll go from there. But the situation is our, our, our protagonists in the, in the Old Testament, the Bible, the nation of Israel, um, they're struggling for, to find land and safety and nation, like all kind of nations right, were. They, were. they were pushing their boundaries. Other people were trying to take them out. And so we follow Israel, and they're in this, this this fight with this other people group, the Philistines, and they kind of hated each other, right? They were fighting for the same land. They, had the, they were going back and forth over different borders. Uh, we read about that in Judges uh, last few weeks, in the uh, story of Samson. Like, it's the same sort of thorn in the, in the side of Israel. And it says this, Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soka and Judah. They pitched camp at Ephesdamon between Soka and Ezekah. You can throw a little map up there, Jed, or, or the picture. This is this valley. And Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. Now, this is the valley of Elah. This is kind of what it looks like today. So back then it wasn't as groomed as sort of the farmland. But you can picture it was a sort of low, low valley in these hillsides. And on the far one would be the Philistines and say on the near one would, would be Judah. And they'd have their armies out and they're camped out. And they're sort of just looking at each other across the way getting ready to sort of who would make the first move. And the problem was, if you made the first move, you had to go down, and you'd go back up, you'd back up the hill, and then the other group had the high ground, and they would kind of slaughter you on your way up. So we're at this standstill. They were just sort of looking at each other across the way, ready for war, but no one was making a move. Until this, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits in a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of skin of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. So 
Different discussion of how big this guy actually was. He was a big dude. He wore hundreds of pounds of armor. I mean, he, anywhere from 6'9 to, to upper 7s. Just this massive guy. Comes out coated in, in metal with his massive spear. He's got some other guy carrying his shield. So Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. If I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subject and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man. Let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Uh, he goes on to talk about sort of David and his brothers down there. Then it says, For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and, and took his stand. For 40 days... For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening, took his stand. And in that time, on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. And so the picture here is of this, of this massive warriors coming down. And, and if you know the story, you've, you've heard some of this, that basically he was going to put it all this one-on-one match. It's single combat or combative warfare, winner takes all. And that was a practice that was back in that, in that day that would be a thing. So if you lost to him, like, yeah, you lose, you're out. We take your stuff. If you beat our guy, you can have our stuff. But seeing this guy and and looking at him in his massive gear and his size and his warrior look and his shield bearer, Saul, the, the king of Israel, and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. And I was thinking about that this week in our own lives when we get in those places, whether we admit it or not, there's things we think about or look out in life. We think, man, I'm you're dismayed. You're dismayed and terrified. You're afraid of it. Your, your, your heart is sunken over it because they're projecting that we cannot beat this guy. We can't do this. We will lose. Our nation is going down. None of that happened yet. But those guys like us, sometimes we think about the worst case scenario. I'm like, man, I, I, I've already lost. I can't do it. I can't do it. If, this, if we send someone out there, he's going he's gonna to slaughter them, and then we'll be done. And for 40 days, this goes on. And so this is every day. You know, over a month, this guy shouts at them, and they just feel the sinking in their heart. And that, a lot of us can relate to that situation of life. Like, most of us can get through a hard day. Like, man, that was a, that was a rough day, but tomorrow will be better. But when it starts to go on for days and days and days and days, and the same thing is happening to you every day, it's a sort of this depression sinks in, the same person, the same job, the same financial challenges, the same sickness. Man, it wears on your soul. And these guys, maybe in the beginning, because when it said they, 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 they amassed for war, they had their war cries going. They were fired up. You can imagine these guys all pumped up, like Braveheart style. But then eventually that wears down. And the sadness begins to sink in that we can't do it. Now Jesse said to his son David, and David has been in the story a little beforehand for this chapter, he says, take some roasted grain and these ten loaves to your brothers and hurry to their camp. Now, David was the, David was the youngest of these, of these eight brothers. And the dad's, dad's like, you know, go bring your brothers some food because David was a shepherd. He was working out in the field. He wasn't on the front lines. And he goes down to, this, to, the, to the lines where, there, where there's this scene happening over this valley. He brings them their food. And, and he starts talking with people. And he hears some stuff from the guys like, man, if anyone can take out that giant... The king said he'll give him his daughter, he'll give him riches, he won't have to pay taxes. And David's like, what? That's, wait, I want to hear more about that. You know, he's this sort of young teenage kid. 
but has, a, uh, has accomplished, right? The Bible says he's, he's handsome, he's good-looking, he's strong, and he's brave. And he's having these conversations with the guys, and, like, man, and all the guys are sort of like, man, I wish, I wish it could be me, but I can't do it. And David's like, wait, so how does this work again? So if I beat that guy, and you can almost picture him looking at, like, that's the guy. I just have to beat that guy, and then I get all these prizes. And he has these conversations. He says he brought it up again, and his brother snaps at him. He's like, David, get out of here. You don't belong here. But word gets back to Saul, King Saul, that this kid is sort of asking his question. And, and, and I have to imagine if it got back to Saul, text doesn't say, but David probably said, I could beat this guy. I got this guy. Re- like, this is the problem. He's like looking across the valley, that, that, that guy standing there. I got this. And word gets back to Saul. The king's, king's like, dude, you're, you're just a kid. That guy's been a warrior since his youth. I don't think you, you can do this. David's like, trust me, man, I got this. I got this. And there's a confidence in him, and he, and he talks about serving his, his God. He's like, because of my God, we got this. God is not going to let us lose to this person. He had this sort of, this boldness about it that I, that I love. And so Saul's like, all right, if you think you can do it, then let me set you up with some armor. And he gives him his best stuff. He gives him his, his armor and his sword, the king's, the king's weaponry. And he dresses him up, and he puts all this stuff on. And David puts it on. He puts his sword on. And he tries walking around. And he says, I, I, I can't do this. This doesn't fit me. This isn't me. I'm not used to this. And he takes it all off. And he took his, his staff in his hand. He was a shepherd. He took his staff, five smooth stones from the stream, put them in a pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. And we kind of know this story from here, and, but he, he rolls down there. He doesn't have his stuff on. Giant's calling out at him, like, what are you coming at me with, with sticks and my dogs? He has his staff. He doesn't have armor on. And David just starts to, like, come at him. And he's just, and he has five stones. He doesn't need five stones. He needs one. He's like he releases this thing puts a stone and buries it in the head of this giant. The guy goes down. David goes and cuts off his head. We all know this story. But the courage of this, of this, of this young warrior David is sort of what I want to encourage us with today. And a few, few things about David. So he's a shepherd. Uh, he works out in the kind of a rough you know, hillside. He has to protect his, protect his sheep. But he had some skills. He was skilled with the sling. He was, he, was, he was good with opponents. He understood situations. And I want to say the tools you've been given, I think there's a slide for this, tools you've been given are the best ones for the fight you'll encounter. The tools you've been given in life, wherever God has taken you and what he has taught you, who he has made you to be, those are the best ones for the fights that you'll encounter. Not Saul's armor, not Saul's tools, but what David had, who David was. And sometimes it's easy to say, oh my gosh, if I only had that, I can do it better. If I only was this person, if I only had that upbringing, I can do it, but I don't. David was a shepherd, but he was fierce and he was good with the sling. And he was free of armor when he came out that giant, he took him right down. That's what, who he was, that's what he was used to. And this idea of this slingshot, I've read some of this from an author by the name of Malcolm Gladwell, who's this fascinating sort of a take on this whole story. When he talks about this sling and how these guys can get this thing going, ripping this thing around six, seven times a second, a stone probably the size of a golf ball coming out of the sling at 60 miles an hour, 
That thing is fierce. It's a weapon. It's, he's well equipped to fight another person. The best guys can sling a, sling a rock over 400 yards. Judges 20 says this about the tribe of, tribe of Benjamin. They had 700 men who could sling a stone at a hair's breadth and not miss. Like this was a weapon of the time that David was really good with. He was really skilled. The Romans had a special set of tongs for fishing stones out of people's bodies when they got hit with a sling, a slingshot. Like, it was a known thing. Historian Robert uh, Dorman says this, Goliath had as much a chance against David as any Bronze Age warrior with a sword would have against an opponent armed with a forty-five automatic pistol. And so when David was called into this situation by God, we, we sort of like, oh my gosh, he had no chance. God's like, dude, this guy's got all the chance in the world. He has the best chance out of anybody to take this guy down. And when David showed up and said, oh, I'm going to fight this guy for my nation and for God, God's like, oh, shoot, not, not David. He, he, well, he's not trained to do this. I need like a big foot soldier. No, David was perfect for this situation, to deliver the nation from this, this enemy. And so you and your experiences, because David has this experience with a sling and a shepherd in defending his, his flock, you and your experiences are shaped for the fights you'll encounter. And some of those ex- times those experiences are hard. Like, we don't all want to go through hard things, but they shape us and they prepare, prepare us for the next, next battle. But David here, so he knew who he was and he was going to go do it his way, but he did try on Saul's armor. And it's almost like, I'm just going to, I'll check it out. If you say I should put it on, I'll try it. But sometimes you don't know who you are until, until you find out who you are not. I think David was probably pretty sure it wasn't for him, but he put that stuff on. like, this isn't me. I'm not this guy. And he takes it off. He didn't leave it on as an ex- kind of excuse and complain about it. He didn't complain they didn't have anything. He's like, no, I, I know who I am. I got this. And some of us, we kind of just like to complain. Like, we'd put the armor on, and it'd be uncomfortable. And we would just leave it on because we just like to have an excuse. We like to complain about stuff. Some of us are complainers. Dude, if it doesn't fit, take it off. Trust yourself and, 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 your, and God's story for you. Don't stay in it. And use that as an excuse and be uncomfortable and complain about it. But yeah, I don't know. I'll just leave it on and I'll just complain that it's uncomfortable. Man, take off the armor. If you're living in some kind of life that's not you and you know it's not you, start taking that off. Start making some changes. If a certain situation or, 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 or a group or idea or wherever you're like, man, this, is, this isn't me. Like, man, start shedding some of that stuff. Be who God called you to be, who you, God created you to be. I was driving with the kids the other day, and we are talking about the week, and there's just traffic on the freeway from the fair. We started talking about the fair. Um, and my kids and Amy went to the fair the other day while I was at work. They, they, they went on Wednesday and Dollar Day. I couldn't make it. And I was kind of giving the, hard, the kids a hard time about it. Like, why did you guys go to the fair without me? I can't believe it. Because they're talking about the rides and stuff they saw. I'm like, like man, you guys just like, Threw dad under the bus, left me behind. Like, I, I, I missed out on the fair. And Bella's like, you don't even like the fair. <laughs> She's like, you just go and complain over there. I'm like, yeah, but I like that part. I like to go and complain about the fair. If I'm not there, I can't complain about it. I'm just, I want to go there and, and complain and be hot and, and, you know, complain about the money and the crowds. She's like, yes. Yeah. So it's, just, it's sort of funny. Sometimes we have those things. Like, go or don't go, but don't go and complain about it. So David's pretty quick, like, I'm not, I'm not wearing this. 
person God created you to be is a person God desires to use. God created David a certain way. That's who he wanted to use. He didn't want to trade him out for a soldier, a foot soldier. He didn't want to trade him out for something else. God's like, I, that kid who I love, who tends flocks, who's faithful, who's a, who's, in David's story, he's, he's a musician, he's, he's, well, that's the guy I want to use for this fight. Person God created you to be is, that, is the person God desires to use. And I'm sure David didn't always like his upbringing, being the youngest of a bunch of brothers, getting stuck in the fields anyway. Shepherding was a hard job. It was a, it was a lonely job. It was a dangerous job. Brothers are moving on, and they're joining the military, and, and, and they have different accolades, and he's sort of out on his own. I'm sure there were hard days and nights out there for him, but that is the person God was shaping and God would, would desire to use for the rest of his life. And he had to go through stuff out there. He talks about how he'd fight bears and lions and defend his sheep. And he'd be alone on, on, on cold nights, and he'd be, be fearful of, of robbers and, and, and other peril. And I'm sure he didn't always love that. But what we learn through hard th- things, what we learn through toil, is inevitably more valuable than what is learned through ease. We don't actually learn well through ease. We think we do. We'd like to. I'd like to learn that way. But when we really learn something, it's because you, you labor through it. You struggled through it. But he brings that to the fight because those fights build, build faith. His life, his, his struggle, who he was, that built up his faith that when he looked out of that valley, he's like, that's the problem. I got this. I got this. And he leaned on some of those hard times and those fights with, with, with wild beasts that, you know, a- any of us would have lost and be afraid of for life. But his experience built him up in such a way like, no, God's with me. I know what I'm doing. And this courage, and, he, and some of us need to hear this today, courage is what you earn because we all want to be courageous. We want to have courage in life because life can be difficult and scary and discouraging. But courage is what you earn when you've been through the tough times and you discover they aren't so tough after all. Because when you go in the tough times, you cannot imagine getting out of them. You feel like it is the end of the, end of the rope. I'm done. This is the, I'm never going to be the same. I'm never going to recover. But eventually you get past that. And we've all had those stories. If you look back in your life, I'm like, at the time I, I didn't think I'd make it, but I did. And now I feel a little better about maybe the next time I think I can do it. Facing giants a second time around is always easier. But you have to get through some of those first experiences. And when you, then you can look back and say, I mean, that's not, that's not so bad. And you can encourage other people, I know what it feels like right now. You'll get through it. Right? That, was all, that was all of middle school for me. I hated middle school. I didn't think I was going to survive middle school. And I know kids who feel that way. But you know what? You do. You'll get through it. And you look back like, oh, I guess it wasn't actually that bad. And he wasn't worried about a giant hanging out in the valley talking trash because he had done this before against tougher foes, against the lion. This is a lion versus man. Lion wins every time, not against David. Bear versus man. David fell off bears. Man, bear wins, not David. David beat bears. Lion versus bear. Firestone, anybody? 
But he had these experiences like, I can beat these things who are way stronger than that guy. And not because of some haphazard, like, miracle of, like, oh, God intervened and shot lightning bolts at the lion. Like, no, because David was smart. He had learned. He had practiced his sling. You could picture him out in the field all day working with this thing. He had some tools. So when he went into fight, yes, I'm not diminishing our faith in God, but God also made David who he was, equipped him with the skill set he had to fight the fights he had for him. And when he saw this man coming at him slowly, clumsily, with bulky armor and a sword, David's like, I don't, I'm not going to fight that guy like he does. I, I could take this guy out from here. I could take this guy out, you know, certainly with one stone, but I'll put five in there just, just in case so I don't look too, like, you know, proud. And he charges this giant, and, and he changes the course of history for him, himself and his nation. And it's easy for, for, the, for you know, us to kind of look back on these stories, and especially David and Goliath's story, because it feels like he's such the underdog, and he had no chance, but God delivered him. And I, don't, no, I don't feel like God wants us to live that way. Like, you have no chance, but God will deliver you. God's like, hey, I love you. You're equipped. You're strong. Seek after me. You have the Holy Spirit. You don't have to be afraid of everything. You don't have to be afraid. I, I don't, David didn't seem like he had much fear. Yeah, he, he was like, I have, my God is going to deliver me, but he's like, I have a slingshot. This thing is awesome, and I know how to use it really well. And so when you have these, these skills and gifts, you don't have to be, a, be a, ashamed or afraid. It's like God gave you that to go after certain situations. And he encouraged, remember all those guys on the hillside? Like, man, we're just dismayed and terrified. And change your life. Oh, my gosh, like, I guess we don't have to live that way anymore. An army could have been like, man, if we only had bigger soldiers, if we only had heavier armor, if we only had bigger javelins, sharper swords, all this stuff that, man, if we only had this, then we can fight that guy. David's like, here's what I got. I got what I have every day. And so it's not about resources always, because some of us get in that, in that mindset. If I only had more time, if I had more money, if I had more gifts, resources. It's about resourcefulness. What do you have right now? Who are you? What are you what, who has God created you to be? What are your experiences? Be resourceful with that. Man, I'm not, I don't have anything. I don't, no one you know, could learn from me. And well, What's your story? I bet there, I bet there is something there. I don't really have any kind of, man, you have something. If you've been walking out on the face of the, this earth, and there is a God who I believe there is, and he created you for a reason, and he's given you experiences for purpose, you're suited to go up and tee off against someone else's giant at some point. And so I want to encourage you with that, that word today, that you, you are capable. You are capable. Whatever that thing is in your life, you are capable with God. Yeah, absolutely with God. But you don't have to fear like I have no chance. That did not seem to be a thought across David's mind and he, as he ran down to that guy. And so when we go through hard experiences and we have loss and we go through fighting you know, addiction or depression or sickness or financial trouble, like, but eventually you get through it like, okay, I got through it. It's okay. I can do this. I can do this. And the next time it comes around, it gets a little bit easier. And that first time dropping in on a ramp, I mean, it's terrifying. But after you do it, like, oh, okay, it's not so bad. 
Even when you fall, it's like, all right, get back up. And so those experiences for you, when you've fallen and you've been afraid, man, those are good things. Those are shaping character. Those are building faith. Use that. Use that. If we can't go about confidently in this world because of our, our God, man, then we're missing out on something. We're missing out. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to close out with the song. And, and uh, yeah, I hope you can be encouraged, whether, whether it's something in there that I think you have, you have enough. You are enough. Uh, you can do it. So. The preceding was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio was speaking. For more information about New Church, go to N-E-U-E-C-H-U-R-C-H dot com. That website address again is N-E-U-E-C-H-U-R-C-H dot com. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you and yours.